Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm J.D. Mullane, columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times and the Burlington County Times. And I'm Phil John Picaro, columnist for those papers as well. Okay. Uh, headlines today, battling cancel culture in Bucks County. John Collin is a Penridge School Board member who attended the January 6th Stop the Steal rally, headlined by former President Trump, during which a band of Trump supporters smashed windows and broke through a door or doors and invaded the Capitol. Now, because Joan uh, attended that rally, a petition is circulating calling for her resignation from the Penridge School Board, uh, even though she did not lay siege to the Capitol. Is this a righteous cause or just the cancel culture calling on Joan Collin? Joan, welcome to the podcast. Um, I want to uh, make something clear first or get something clear. You did not uh, get into the Capitol building, did you? No, absolutely not. And I, you know, I've always, my position on violence has always been violence is not the answer and that you should always conduct yourself properly when you're trying to advocate for a cause because not conducting yourself properly actually hurts your cause, right? If you come at somebody in an unprofessional way um, or if, God forbid, you, you would resort to violence, you're going to end up hurting yourself. People aren't going to hear you. Uh, they're going to shut you down right away, and I would say rightfully so. So what is the uh, the bottom line on this petition and the petitioners who are coming after you? What do they say you did on January 6th that re- requires you to resign from the Penridge School Board? Well, the claim is the same that it always is, is that um, the my personal politics somehow interfere with me fulfilling my sworn duties on the school board, which of course it does not. And we have a strong and good policy of not um, have, you know, scrutinizing people's personal lives. We don't scrutinize the personal lives of our teachers, for example. And I think that is very appropriate. There are times of course, where not in our school district, but in other school districts, you've seen, where somebody does do something and action is taken, but those are really extraordinary cases. And there's something that lines right up, a cause and effect that lines up where, where action might be taken. But by and large, uh, people's personal time is is their personal time. And I think my record shows that um, I'm, I'm fair-minded when I um, consider things on the school board. I think people might not remember, but when I ran for school board the first time, I was the only Republican on my slate of candidates. Um, so I've always viewed the school board position as being one where you have to really let go of what you, not let go of what you personally believe, but you can impose necessarily what you personally believe when you're in a public school. And I, this is something I discuss with my friends a lot is they'll say, well, why don't you guys X do X? And I say, well, if you know you have to remember this is a public school 
and that might be something that would be more appropriate um, to bring up in a in a private school. So, there, there is no, uh, if we examine the record, uh, there's no pattern of Joan Cullen imposing her conservative or Republican or make America great again views on the curriculum when it comes to Penridge school board business. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And there's well, some cancel culture people coming after you. What what did you do as a school board member that they don't like? And what do they say? What have they said to you in their communications to you? Well, the an old example is brought up of the walkout, which occurred in 2018. Um, and and the the allegation goes that I as a single board member somehow overrode the um, desires of the entire board to impose unfairly uh, punishment on students for expressing their their beliefs on a political issue. And of course, that's completely untrue. Um, and I would like to point out that at the time, um, there were three veteran board member Democrats who no one, nobody on the board when the school district administrators presented the plan for what they want to do on that day, not a single board member um, presented an alternate plan, not a single board member objected to the school district upholding that policy. And it's an important policy. What people need to remember, again, in a public school, you have to apply your policy equally. Um, you know, when we were interviewing for solicitors, we asked every single one of them the same question. What, what should you do when you want to make an exception to the policy? And every single attorney gave the same answer. They said, when it comes to making exceptions to school policy, the best way to do it is don't. Don't make exceptions to your policy because it opens up a can of worms. And so if you can imagine. Yeah, you, you think this is just uh, people coming after you because there's a personal dislike or because of your politics? I hope they don't uh, personally dislike me, but it definitely is politics. And this is the whole the whole idea of cancel culture, I think, is that people are now in this mode of thinking that if you don't agree with, you know, if something didn't go the way you like, um, what you're going to do is now scrutinize and cause controversy where no controversy should actually exist. Take a statement or an action that isn't outrageous and actually create this you know, illusion of it having been outrageous and say that this person is distraction and that they they need to go. And with the example of 2018, you know, since 2018, there's been another election and the campaign against us was, was strong, but the community response to all of this effort that was made was I not only, you know, one, I got a thousand more votes than I got in 2015. You know, John, John, I'd like to piggy, I'd like to piggyback off that cancel culture uh, uh, mention. Um, you know, th those that uh, those that stormed the Capitol uh, were down there because of they couldn't they could not handle the way the election went and wanted to stop the certification of of the uh, electoral votes. Uh, so they they were part of cancel culture. They wanted to cancel what actually happened. Um, you were down, and every American has every right for peaceful protest. We're protected. That's protected in the Constitution. So you had every right to be where you were. But I'll ask you, why? What was the point of you being there? What was your What was your thought process while you 
when you decided to go and when you were there? Well, there are two things. First of all, um, I do support the former President Trump, and I took it as an opportunity to hear him as the last time speaking as president and also just kind of give him a visual to say thank you and goodbye. You know, um, thank you for what you've done. And I also went down there to advocate for election integrity, because no matter what anybody thinks of the outcome of the election, there are real and true anomalies that occurred and things like here in Pennsylvania that were outside of what the Constitution provides in Pennsylvania. Actions that were taken by our Secretary of State, for example, who is resigning this Friday, as you probably know, um, there were actions taken that aren't in her authority to, to take. And they, they did occur. So that it's not a question of did these things happen? It's, it's not a theory that they happened. These things actually did happen. And if you want to have elections that have integrity, and if you want people to not end up going and acting, you know, um, taking extreme action because they believe that they were wronged, if you don't want these things to happen, then you need to absolutely provide that your elections are fair and free and that they were carried out to the letter of the law. And that's that's not what we have. And I think you've seen um, Arizona last week or this week, you know, earlier this week called for an audit. I think it was last week. And then in Virginia, their court actually decided that it was wrong to count um, ballots that came in with a postmark later than election day. So I think that th these are two separate things. Again, the people that went through the barriers, totally wrong. And when I came home, um, my children could tell you that was the first thing out of my, my mouth besides hello was, listen, I want to address because on the way home, we heard about the situation with the woman. Um, and I and I told my children, just reminded them of how they've been raised. Yeah. If you do something like that, you are putting yourself in a situation where the worst can happen to you. Joan, we heard this morning that uh, you had posted on a Facebook site, Reopen Box, that you had been visited by the FBI. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I had a couple of visitors come and we talked. And um, quite honestly, they seemed apologetic for having to be here. Are, who are these visitors? Were they FBI guys? It was a man and a woman, um, okay. two FBI agents. And in the course of our conversation, they revealed, you know, I, I told him my story of the day, you know, what I did when I was down there and um, why I went down there. And um, toward the end of the conversation, the female agent said, you know, I our normal assignment is in the child sex crimes unit. And instead of doing that work, we were pulled away from it to come chase down you know, these supposed tips. And did that really struck me. Why did, why, Joan, why did they come to you? Um, you know, usually, uh, you know, there's photo evidence and video evidence of people mm -hmm. who were part of that insurrection. Um, but you, you, there was none of that with you. So how did they explain why they came to you? I think in their, you know, I, and I don't fault them because if you can imagine, if someone makes a tip, it's not necessarily their job. Someone gives you a tip, like if you're taking tips on a robbery, you you track down all of those tips. So yeah, it was it was clear. It was clear from that very day that I did not go into the Capitol building and I did not do anything wrong. And yet there are people in this cancel culture who saw an opportunity, unfortunately. And they didn't just do it to me. They did it to a number of people. 
in our yeah. county. And again, these FBI agents were taken away from their work on the child sex crime unit to come and track down, you know, suburban moms who well, did nothing wrong. So what? So Joan, what, they got it. They got a tip that Joan Cullen mm -hmm. was at the 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 rally slash, uh, you know, insurrection. Mm -hmm. um, and and just because they know they knew you were there, that prompted them to come and talk to you. I can't say what exactly they were told because, of course, I'm not going to ask them who did it or what it was. I can tell you that I saw some doctored things that were presented. I have no idea what they looked at. And if I had asked them, they wouldn't have told me anyway. So when you um, say doctored things, what, what are you saying that people doctored mm -hmm. uh, something to get the FBI on your Yeah, door? like a, I don't, again, I don't know who or what, but there was a cropped photo, at least one cropped photo that was uh, made to look like I was standing somewhere where I wasn't standing. But um, again, to focus on how that came about, it's, it's this cancel culture that people, they get this idea, they see an opportunity, and they are willing to do anything in order to take out a, a political opponent instead of facing, you know, the person on policy, which after all this has happened, I'm happy to say that, you know, after the, you know, um, Tuesday board meeting, there's at least one group that informed its users we are not going to post any more personal attacks. If you want to speak about things, it has to be focused on policy. Okay, you have to clarify that. Is that a is that a, a progressive group or is that a reopen? No, no I, I I'm not yeah. going to. It's a um, it's a Facebook an online group. Okay. Uh, but the the message was sent that we want to focus on policy, and that's really where we have to keep our focus because if you look. Think about the map that we've all seen of the United States, that red and blue map where they break down by county, um, Republican or, or Democrat. The United States map is mostly red, right? And the percentage of people who identify as being liberal is only 31% according to um, HuffPo. And it's also 31% who identify as conservatives. Gallup has it being 34% identify as conservative. and 27% identify as liberal. So my point is that, that we're in a state of like mutually assured destruction is how I'm looking at it. Just like we were all kind of the same age growing up, the thing that kept and the thing that is still keeping countries from unleashing nuclear weapons is what? That, that idea of mutually assured destruction. And I think that's where we are right now because you're starting to see the alligator come and start to eat some of the people on the left. Katie Kirk herself has faced some of it because they were thinking of having her be a guest host on Jeopardy. And then she made those comments about how Trump voters need to be deprogrammed. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the Jeopardy people are right. smart. You know. Yeah, the, the point being that, you know, uh, even Robespierre thought he was safe until he wasn't too, he wasn't pure, found to be uh, not pure enough for his own side and they, they chopped his head off. So yeah, yeah I, I get it. I wanted to ask Phil though, you know, uh, we talk about cancel culture, but, but Phil, um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this um, because cancel culture works both sides of the street. I did a, uh, a column last summer about that young uh, wedding uh, caterer in Falls Township who uh, 
was uh, they tried to a group of people tried to cancel because of a lie spread on social media that he hated cops. But I was wondering if if uh, if you have a definition of cancel culture or even if you believe it exists, what are your thoughts on that, Phil? I think it's just a trendy term these days. I mean, you know, throughout time, you know, people have had uh, uh, different opinions on different things. It, it's it, that just has become the trendy, the trendy uh, label. Um, you know, people just can't accept when things don't go right for them. Uh, people can't accept reality. Uh, you know, our election uh, has been shown through the courts uh, and by. President Trump's former attorney general, that there was no widespread, excuse me, there was no widespread voter fraud. Um, yet people don't want to, people don't want to accept that because it's not the way they wanted things to go. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I just don't understand why when there are facts laid out and investigations um, that people just can't accept that, uh, you know, Joan was talking about, um, you know, the, the, the incidents in Arizona and Pennsylvania about, um, you know, maybe some things that, that weren't on the up and up, but there's been no evidence of anything widespread. Um, and even though that's, that was the result of these investigations. Well, that, that's fine, Phil, but you know, if Joan- People don't want it, people don't want to accept it because it didn't go their way. So they try, so they try to cancel- Go down to, to DC. And and hold a sign or whatever and peacefully. That's protest. fine. That that's fine. Why Absolutely. why should she? Uh, and you know she's battling cancer culture. So am I at the moment. And and you know why should we lose our jobs, our positions, our, our of authority, the ones we've earned, uh, because somebody disagrees uh, with our point of view? I mean that's to me what cancer culture is in its essence. You know, uh, one side does not believe you have a right to say what you want to say or occupy a modest platform in the media or occupy a, a, a school board seat in Penridge. Right. And they don't like you. They don't like your politics. So they smear you. They cherry pick uh, uh, things you've said or, or, or things you've written. Uh, they smear. I don't know how many people were down at that uh, January 6th uh, rally, uh, but, you know, you watch cable news and all of them are insurrectionists if you listen to some of these panel uh, discussions. So well, there, were quite, there were enough of them. Yeah. Not all of them. And in the, in the fullness of time, we'll know exactly how many uh, breached the Capitol. I think all three of us agree that those people should, you know, uh, yep. be charged and prosecuted to the fullest sure. extension. Yeah, but, uh, I, 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 but wanna be, I wanna be clear, you know, Joan had every right to be there. Yeah as long as she wasn't breaking any laws. Sure, and she didn't. Apparently. Yeah, right. She didn't you know, I, I wanted to just switch gears real quick, Joan. You know, the, the, the Twitter posts that of you denying the existence of systemic racism, sexism, homophobia, uh, which prompted the petition uh, mm -hmm. for, you to, for you to resign. Um, what, what aren't people understanding about your opinions on that? That's a great example of cherry picking and this obsessive nature of their scrutinizing one person's social media 
making a collection of literally thousands of items, bragging about having those thousands of items online and holding on to it for an opportunity. That tweet was revealed a year after it was posted. And why? Because they felt that it was the opportune time to bring it up. And then they characterized it as me saying something which is not said at all. They made it seem like I don't believe in racism, which is an absolutely ludicrous thing to say. Of course, racism exists. Of course, homophobia exists and sexism exists. But the spirit of what was being said was that the United States is not an inherently racist country. It's not an inherently homophobic country and it's not inherently sexist country. To say that the United States is on the whole not a good country where we have really provided great opportunities for people and have made strides in, in those areas, I think is, is wrong. Um, and a lot of people from you know, all walks of life agree with that point of view, that we have issues to face, but we can't say that, we can't indict our entire country as being so corrupted with it in every aspect. And it's something that Senator Tim Scott has spoken to, um, it's, you know, something like the people like Bob Woodward, a lot of people have spoken to it. Um, and I think that it hurts when you're trying to address the true issue, when you make it something that it's not confront what the issue actually is. But again, that's another example of how something is cherry picked, mischaracterized, and then spread like wildfire to say, you know, she said this, I mean, it would be very, my, the person who's most upset with it, to be honest with you, is, is my 82-year-old mother. <laughs> she knows how she raised her 10 children. Uh, she knows what my, my father and she raised us to believe, how she raised us to behave, and how she raised us to treat other people. And so it's deeply hurtful for people to use these things as an opportunity to smear someone just because you don't want to um, have that debate on policy. So. That's, yeah, I, mean, that's well, I think, John, what you're saying is, is what I've written in, in my column for years in, on this issue, which is that America has plenty of racists and homophobes and sexists, but inherently it's not racist or homophobic or sexist. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the left has a, has a disagreement with that. Phil, I don't want to speak for you, but you probably feel the opposite, correct? That the yeah. country is um, racist, yeah, I mean, homophobic and sexist and Islamophobic and all of that. You, you now. I disagree with you, Phil, but I will defend whatever you have to say sure. uh, about that. I mean, we have to agree to disagree on that because yeah. everybody walks their own path, their own journey. We see what we see, and we've talked about this issue before. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there are clearly systems in place that perpetuate racial injustice in this country. Absolutely. Um, you know. To, to, now again, the debate is to what to what degree is it is it where I may feel it is or where maybe you and Joan feel it is. But you know, it, it's it's clear that the 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 field is not level for for people of color in this country. It's clear. Yeah, and, and and Phil, I can you know again, I've written about this for many years about how. You know, when you when you go through our area, Bucks County, and you see towns, boutique communities with 95 percent white in them. So, well, listen, Joan, thank you very much for talking about cancel culture and the other things and and uh, and giving us your point of view. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Um, 
But uh, you can find our podcasts wherever good ones are posted. Read our columns at our websites, including <laughs> Times. Uh, better yet, why not subscribe? Uh, you can read all our award-winning journalism without the interruption of a football or a metered note coming up that you've run out of your five articles this month. So I'm JD. I'm Phil. For all of us at the paper, thanks for listening, but especially thanks for reading. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.